0: Are you looking for truth from God's Word that you can understand and apply to your life? You'll find it today on Make It Clear with Dr. Stan Pons. Listen now as Stan makes it clear.
1: Listen carefully. If you don't know Christ as Savior... You're having this unusual tension going on inside of you. You're saying, I know I, I can't do this, and yeah, I, I, got, I got the Lord, but this sounds really heavy duty. I don't know that I can do all of that. That's a heavy burden for me to be able to do this. I, I want to do but, but it just sounds so confining. and It's going to be so puritanical, and there won't be all that, that love that I want to have in this thing, and you're struggling with it. Others are saying, you know, I'm coming to the point that says... I've wrecked so many times. I've left so many wrecked cars behind me. I have bruised so many spectators in my life and my relationships. I've got to start over somewhere. And I'm just pleading you that you would understand. Watch this. And I say this as if I was on your lanai and I'm hugging you right now. There is no other way to have the relationship God wants you to have apart from Jesus Christ loving others through you just as he loves you and me. He is the solution, not a great solution or a solution. He's the solution. And so this is so new, you're going to have to walk through it. But there's also another difference, and that is there's a difference between the old and the new. The old and the new. Now, we talked a little bit about that before, but I'm going to open that up a little bit. In the Old Testament, when it said, love your neighbor... And then it goes, and you can read through all that in Leviticus, read through all the Pentateuch, and you're going to see all this do's and don'ts and do's and don'ts. And here's where it gets really interesting. When you get to Pentateuch, Torah, first five books, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy is like a, recapitula- a recapitulation of all the other four books. And at the end of it, chapter 28, it says, if you do this, you'll be blessed. If you don't... And then it talks about the most horrible discipline or punishment. Consequences, if you don't, is here. So when you look at the law, the law mostly motivates us out of fear, guilt, fear, judgment. Is that bad? No. That's what they did in the Old Testament. Jesus says, this is a new commandment, and now he adds to this, do this as I've done this. Now watch now. He does it because... He loves us. How did He love us? He went to the cross. He loved us even though we're sinners. Yes, we're under condemnation already. We didn't choose to get condemned. We were born already condemned. And He said, now I want to get you out of that. I love you that much. I'm going to try to take you away from that. Now we do it not out of fear. We do this thing out of love. That's new. In addition, this is new for some of you. Some of you might be in a relationship now that is not wrecked. You're not in the pits yet. But you're driving this relationship and you feel like it is stale. It's like other cars are zipping right by you and woo-hoo, woo-hoo, yeeha, and you're just driving along. You're just saying, you know what? It's just same old, same old, same old. I'm just there's just it's just it's just not going anywhere. It's not rich. It's not what I thought it would be. I'm gonna tell you there is something new. That new thing is to go back to Scripture and to enter into that relationship again with Christ's love for that person through you. So even if you're a Christian, it can go stale. But even as a Christian, you can go back to this. That's what the word repent means. Change your mind. Go back to this. And I'm going to tell you then, it's going to put a little bit more spark in that relationship. Now let me give you a caution. Some of you might say, wow, that's great. I'll go back to Scripture now, I'll do this, and that'll make sure that my marriage is like it was on honeymoon night. That's not necessarily the case. What it will do is take that relationship that might not change But it will give you a greater reason or purpose to be in that relationship so now you don't feel like you are trapped in prison and going down into a black hole. All of a sudden, it gives you a greater reason for why you're there and it gives you that fulfillment that you really want to have that even sex can't at the end of the day for your life. And that's why this becomes something new. Notice, if you will, if you go a little bit further, I put a little box there what a new love kind of looks like. Love needs an example greater than itself. It says, even as I have loved you. You have an example. Christ says, if you want to do it, here's how you can do it. Next it says, it needs a foundation stronger than itself. He says, as I have loved you. Look up here for a moment. You need to understand the context. Jesus is alive. He has not gone to the cross yet. He is now speaking to his guys. He says, as I have loved you. So what he's really saying is, I've loved you all along. I'm going to really ultimately demonstrate my love for you on the cross and that while you're yet sinner, I'm going to die for you and rise again. So he says, the whole foundation of who I am is nothing but love. Your foundation is not just saying Christ died on the cross. Your foundation is all of Christ. It is all about him. And Christ is from Genesis to Revelation or from Index to Maps. It's all over Scripture right here for you. That's your foundation. And it's stronger than ourselves. And then finally, it's a purpose higher than itself. And by this shall all people know that you're my disciples. Now, this last part right here, I'm going to speak to to all of you, but I think there might be only a few of you that will grab this. And so I'm going to throw you the biggest challenge in front of you right now. I want to toss this in front of you to see if there's any of you that are going to be that little bit, you're going to take a little bit broader step forward. And here it is. I can love my mate when they're quick to warm up. I can love my mate when they're slow to warm up. I can love my mate even at times when they're sandpaper. But can I love my mate when they abandon me, when they do not meet my needs, when they betray me? Now watch carefully. When Christ was betrayed, it wasn't just that Judas went out and talked about Christ to others and gave him a bad report and showed a lot of disloyalty to Jesus, and turned a lot of people against him, they weren't going to be friends with Jesus any longer, invite them to a luau. When he betrayed him, he went out, he talked to these people, who then armed themselves to bring the demise of Christ down. So no matter how bad you might have it in a relationship, it's only a very rare few that might be listening to me right now, that will have someone in their life that will so betray you, that the people to whom they speak, are now going to come against you and kill you. Now, I said we're going to go a little bit further. We are to demonstrate Christ-like love to these people because there's a lot riding on us to do it. It's not just what Christ has done for me on the cross merely. It is not just because these people deserve it. It's not just because I have to realize they're depraved, they don't know any better, this is how they are, That's their culture, that's their background, that's how they're raised, I've got to do this thing. We do it because the entire world that's alive, that knows who we are as a person and as Christians, Christendom, they are looking at us to really see are we blood-bought, born-again, fully genuine, authentic, card-carrying, 100%, slice-our-wrist, bleed-Jesus Christians. They're looking at us. And so when a Christian can't get along and show love to someone who's a Christian, or anyone for that matter, The world sees that when they hear you badmouth, betray, reject, divorce, whatever it might be, brutalize, verbalize, brutalize. No wonder the world today looks at us and says, I don't want anything to do with Christianity. Why do they make fun out of us on late night television? Or go to Blaisdell and they bring in the comedians and they somehow throw a zinger out at Christians and for what we are? It's our fault in many cases. And so that's why we have to be careful of this, to realize that our power is not of ourselves, but it's of Him. Well, let me end by giving you four marks of a loving, as I love you, Christian. Number one, we fellowship with one another as Jesus' fellowship with His Father. I've got to bring this to a close, but let me just give you this quickly. Please, folks, listen to this. I want to give you something that's pretty heavy now, so listen real carefully. In the context of 1 John chapter 1, verse 5 through verse 9, so to speak, you're going to find in that context, you're going to see God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, implied or specific in that passage, all in the light. They're all light and they're in the light. That means they have connection to one another. They're in fellowship. There's no um, breaking apart from one another. They're all in perfect harmony. Then it talks about we are to walk in the light as he is in the light. Now, where this breaks down is, That Jesus is the light, but he also can walk in the light. God is the light, but he is also in the light. And I can't explain it. That makes him God. And I'm okay with it, because if I can explain God, then I don't need the Bible, I don't need the Holy Spirit. It's a man-made religion. All right, so that's him. Then he says, we are to walk in the light with one another, the context says, as he is in the light. And so if we can walk in light with one another, it's only because they are walking in light. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, all together. And so the mark of a Christian is to demonstrate the unity and the harmony of the Godhead in how we can love one another people and live in harmony with them. Number two, another mark of it is we forgive one another as He forgives us. Look at Ephesians chapter four, verse thirty-two. It says, "Forgiving each other just as God in Christ also has forgiven you." I love that. Just as, just as the as I principle, I'm to forgive them just as I. Amen. Okay. Let me ask you a personal question. Is there any sin that you have committed that the Lord cannot forgive you of or has not forgiven you of? He can forgive us. And so whatever the worst sin you've ever committed, and you understand that he can forgive you of all sin, Colossians 1, Colossians 2, Colossians 3, they all speak about the forgiveness of all sin. Acts chapter 13, forgiveness of all sin. If he can forgive us of all sin, and he can, and he does, and he says, just like I've forgiven you, not just of the little sins, But of every sin you've had, including the sin of the worst thing that you could ever commit in your mind or life, he says, I forgive you. Then he says, just as I have forgiven you, then you need to forgive that other person. Why did I put this in here? Because maybe you're having a difficult time forgiving that other person right now because they have so hurt you so badly right now that your only self-emotional preservation is to throw up a wall and say, if I can just put that wall up there, I will be... um, how can I say, it'll be called polite selfishness. I'm loving them with polite selfishness. I'm treating them politely so everybody sees like we're kind of acting like we're loving one another. But inside our hearts, we really are bitter and we're hurt and it really, it, 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 it has damaged us. So we have not forgiven that person totally. And to forgive them means to put them in the position they were in before they hurt you. And you might have to do that once, twice, or 70 times 7, as Peter was told. So is there someone right now that you need to forgive and you're saying, I am finding it so difficult. Just as Christ forgives us, you use his power and his strength now to in turn plant that forgiveness in that other person. Yes, you might walk a little more wisely. You might realize that that person has a propensity to hurt you again and you'll know how to navigate that. And you need to do that. But at the same time, you're going to give them over to the Lord and let God take care of them. Number three, we accept one another just as he accepted us. We accept one another just as he accepted us. You know, when I accept someone, that doesn't mean that I have to like everything about that person to accept them. Some people have such a closed fellowship that they only want to fellowship with people that are just like them. And if that's the case, you're going to have fellowship in a telephone booth. All right? You've got to have a little bit broader on this. Now, accepting them and approving what they do are two different things. I can accept people, but it doesn't mean I'm going to approve of what they do. But I need to branch it all out and begin to accept them. So let me ask you this. If you're having a difficult time loving someone, is it possible that you have put in front of them unrealistic expectations for them to perform that they're unable to perform and now they don't perform to that level and since they don't, you marginalize them and you move away from them and you don't love them back because they don't live up to your level of standard. And can anybody really do that? Will we all make a mistake? So we need to accept them. There's a difference in accepting and approving. But it's going to be out there. And I hope that we learn to accept each other warts and all. Finally, number four. We sacrifice for one another just as He has sacrificed for us. In 1 John 3.16 it says, We know, love by this, that He laid down His life for us. So that's the just as. He did this for us and, or as we ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. They've given their life for us. We're going to give their life for them. Ephesians chapter 5 says, Husbands, love your wives just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself up for it. I want to close by reading this letter, and this will be it for today. Can this thing be done, this kind of love? Yes, it can. There are two kinds of people that we're going to have to dig deep into the love of Christ to love back. The first kind of person is going to be the person that through, watch this very carefully now, through no fault of their own, they became, they became or are becoming the person that is much different than the person when we entered into that relationship. For example, you marry your mate, things are really well. Through an automobile accident, they're paralyzed. Through... A disease. Their mind is going. They can't chew. They can't swallow. They can't talk. They can't make love. They can't do these kinds of things in your life. It's not their fault. It happened unto them. We need to love them even to the end. And if you're married, it's uh, we're allowed 16 mates for better, for worse, for richer, for poorer. Now I'm just joking. But back to this though. Until death do we part, in sickness and in health. Some of you might have trouble with that. I was in California recently, and a man I was speaking to on the phone. He had a son that was a sharp son for God, really loved the Lord, all of his heart, lived for the Lord, in a grinding automobile accident on the 405 freeway, and he became what the world might refer to as a vegetable. The wife could not handle that, divorced him, abandoned him, went on with her life. I don't even know where she's at. The parents now has had that child in their home, adult, who went through that for the last 50 years, and is still caring for this quote-unquote earthly term, vegetable. That's love. But even then, we probably can dig deep enough to get that. Then you have the other kind of love where someone really does you wrong by their own choice. And how do we love them? Well, we've talked about it right here. Jesus loves it all, even when we sin against Him. He loves us. He's paid for the sins of everyone. But only those who have come to Him, changed their mind, come to Christ, then actually receive that forgiveness. It's granted to them provisionally, but it then becomes theirs really when they trust Christ as Savior. But he still loves them to the very end. i want to read this letter about a man who served the Lord and he was at the pinnacle of his career as president of Columbia Bible College and Seminary, Dr. Robertson McQuilkin. He's been in this a long time, teaching, goes up through the ranks, he becomes president. He is right where he's in his zone. You know what I mean? He's in his career zone. His wife then comes down not with a cold, not with a flu, not with pneumonia, but with Lou Gehrig's disease, ALS. And if you know how debilitating, that's probably the most dramatic, most um, horrific disease someone can have when their body begins to shut down, yet their mind is as sharp as attack. The disease does not affect their mind, does not affect their ability to hear and understand what's going around, but their body cannot assimilate all of that within it, and then they shrivel up, basically, and they die right in front of you. ALS, simply stated. His wife got ALS. He had to resign, and he wrote this. And he read it on his resignation during the announcement in chapel. He said, My dear wife, Muriel, has been in failing mental health for about eight years. So far, I've been capable, excuse me, so far, I've been able to carry both her ever-growing needs and my leadership responsibilities as president of Columbia Bible College. But recently it has become apparent that Muriel is contented most of the time she is with me, and almost none of the time I am away from her. It is not just discontent, she is filled with fear, even terror, that she has lost me, and always goes in search of me when I leave home. Then she may be full of anger when she cannot get to me. So it is clear to me that she needs me now full time. Perhaps it would help you to understand why. I shared what I shared during this resignation chapel. The decision was made for me 42 years ago when I promised to care for Muriel in sickness and in health till death do us part. So as I told the students and the faculty, I want to be a man of my word and have integrity. But so with fairness, she's cared for me fully and sacrificially all these years. If I cared for her for the next 40 years... I would not be out of debt. Duty, however, can be grim and stoic, but there is more. I love Muriel. She is a delight to me. Her childlike dependence and confidence in me, her warm love, occasional flashes that wit I used so much in the past to relish, I see occasionally. Her happy spirit and tough resilience in the face of her continual distressing frustration, I see Still, I do not have to care for her, here's the phrase, I get to. It is a high honor to care for so wonderful a person. That's a cavalier attitude and a cavalier statement and probably even more cavalier than he does it. But it's impossible to do it by yourself apart from Jesus Christ loving Muriel through her life partner. And so I just would plead with all of us for the sake of Christianity for the sake of the glory of God, that we would humbly come before Him and realize that we are poor, lost sinners and we need His forgiveness. We need to have Him in our life through the Holy Spirit for power and that we can love others. And if you have not trusted Christ as Savior yet, that is your door into a whole new way to love others just as Christ loved you. And if you know Christ as Savior, then use today's message to return back to the biblical principle of loving others just as Christ loved us so we can show to the world that we are his disciples by the way that we love. Would you bow your head, close your eyes? I'm going to give you a few moments in the privacy of your own mind and heart for you to maybe settle, first of all, your eternal destiny. God does love you with an everlasting love and he demonstrated through Jesus Christ. And how did Christ love you? He stretched out his arms as they were being nailed to a cross. He was lifted up for all to see. And then he chose himself to die because he knew that his death and resurrection was the only satisfactory payment for your sin so that he then, through God, could forgive you. And so right now, just as he's loved you, would you now receive that love and say, Lord, I thank you that you would forgive me. I thank you that I can be in an eternal fellowship with you. I thank you, Lord, that you can help me to do this. And so, Lord, right now, I'm responding to your conviction that I'm trusting you as my only hope for heaven. And yes, as a byproduct, I now have a unique, indescribable ability to love others by forgiving them, by entering into a fellowship with them by accepting them the way they are and by sacrificing whatever it takes because it's not about them. Lord, it's all about you. And I want to do it to bring glory to you, my Savior, my Lord, the one who's forgiven me. Is there anyone in here today that's at a point in their life that you're willing to say, Lord, I know I've done things wrong. I know that I need to be forgiven. And I'm coming to Christ empty-handed. No works do I show. No promises am I making. I'm coming just as I am. And believing that you are God. And that you, Jesus Christ, will forgive me of all sin. Are you ready to say that in your own heart? It's not even so much of a prayer. It's a a transaction that you're making between you and Him. He says, I love you. I died for you. I demonstrated my love for you. And now I'm calling upon you. Will you now call upon me as your personal Savior? Would there be anyone that's ready right now because you don't know when you're going to die and you want to be ready of having eternal life now and a home waiting for you in heaven. I'm going to ask you in a moment to slip up your hand if you're trusting Christ as your Savior, but know that I'm not going to have you forward. I'm not going to have you stand up, fill out a card. I'm not going to have you say anything out loud. I am not going to come down to you. I'm not going to mention your name in my prayer. I just want to know, is there anyone that today is the day that you're going to trust Christ as your personal Savior, and you'd like for me to remember you in prayer so I could prayerfully welcome you into God's forever family? Is there anyone today? Would you slip up your hand if today's the day you're placing your faith in Jesus Christ? Put it up real high. Put it up. Put it down. Anyone at all. All right, Christians. How many of you would like to have prayer? Because throughout this message, you understood that something is going on inside of you that we do need to love others, whether it's a a wayward child or a challenged mate or a cantankerous fellow co-worker someone in our neighborhood, someone on our ministry team, someone in our life that we need to love them just as Christ loved us. And you'd like to have prayer because in your heart of hearts, this is what you can do in Christ. This is what you will do in Christ. I'd like to pray for you and come alongside you. Would you slip up your hand? Is there anyone here today like that? Thank you. Thank you. Our gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you that you've proven yourself so faithful to us. Amazing love, how can it be that you would die for a wretch like me? I thank you for that. And we do stand and live amazed in that love. I thank you for those here today that are calling upon you to be their personal Savior privately, but they'll do it. I pray for those that have already done that, but now realize that this love is more than just a feeling. It's a commitment. It's a It's a responsibility. It's a duty. It's something we get to do. It's something we want to do. Father, it's because you first loved us. And it's because we love you. Father, we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.